All right, if you'll take your Bible and let's turn to Ruth chapter number 1. Ruth chapter number 1. We're not going to quite finish up chapter 1. We'll get, we'll get close. We're getting close to the end of it. But uh, we'll get down to from verses 6 through verse 18. We've seen how the book of Ruth opens with such a tragedy. I mean, when you've got three members of family that pass away, uh, it's difficult. It's bad enough when you just have one. Uh, we can take heart that uh, this is going to end with a victory for Ruth. It's a story of how the Lord took a Moabite girl by the name of Ruth and brought her out of death, darkness, and hopelessness, brought her to himself, transformed her life, made her part of God's covenant people of Israel <laughs> um, by marriage, and then used her in the lineage of our Savior. What a blessing. So, it's a story of how this woman was transformed from a lost sinner to an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a story of a sinner being pursued by grace, by the grace of God. Our text opens uh, with three widows in verse number 6. Um, three, three widows, uh, Naomi and her two daughters, daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. These three widows we know had all lost their husbands. That's what made them widows. Amen. Uh, when God found us, we were spiritually destitute, uh, and they were destitute. From all appearances, they were left destitute in the country of Moab with little or no hope for a future there. And that's the way it is with uh, sinners. When God found us, we were spiritually destitute in this world of sin. As Ephesians 2 verse 12 puts it, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, understand that Ruth and Orpah were natives of Moab. But Naomi, of course, was a native of Judah. She was a Jew. She knew the Lord. And understand that her husband should not have brought her and her sons uh, there to the land of Moab in the first place. Um, Moab, as we've seen, is a place called uh, that God called his wash pot in Psalm 60 and verse 8. And remember we said that term wash pot is a term of contempt, utter contempt. By calling Moab this, God was saying that they were lower than the lowest slave in fact, they were like the na nasty pot that the slaves used to wash the feet of their superiors with. Last week we saw in verse 6 and 7 uh, that after the death of her husband, Naomi was determined to return to the place where the Lord was blessing his people. Look at uh, verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Uh, so we see here that... Um, um, 
This is a great picture of what repentance looks like in the life of one of God's own. She was, she was going to return to the place where God's blessing was at. This begs for each of us to ask ourselves, spiritually speaking, are we in the, in the place of God's blessing in our life? Are we where God can bless us? Uh, Naomi wasn't. Okay. Um, are we in the center of God's will? Again, Naomi wasn't. Have we wandered off into our own Moab, far from God's place of blessing for us? Now, the Bible presents these three women for us in this passage, and all three women were in a terrible situation at this point, being widowed without living children uh, to take care of them. And as we saw last week, that was all because of sin. And... All Naomi had to show for her time in Moab was the three tombstones of her husband and two sons in this wash pot called Moab. So let's see how these three women responded to their situation. And I believe it can teach us much about how we should react when we find ourselves away from the Lord uh, or in trouble because of sin in our own life. First thing we see, and we're going to pick up in verse number 8 here in just a minute. But we notice that one widow was in a place of defeat. And we're talking about Naomi. Naomi was a child of God who had gotten out of the will of the Lord. And we can look, read this story and say, well, preacher, that's not fair. Naomi was just following her husband. I know that to be the case. Okay, But, you know, sometimes... Uh, uh, when we don't do the right thing, we can influence our family in a bad way. Okay? And that's what happened. Um, he, Elimelech didn't do the right thing. And Naomi is suffering because of that. Um, but we see the cause of her defeat as mentioned down in verse number 13. We'll come back up to the other verses in just a minute. But down in verse 13, um, in the very last part of the verse there, she says, For it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. She knew she wasn't in the place of blessing. Um, of course, the cause of her defeat can be traced to what we've already looked at in, in verses 1 through 5. There's always a high price tag for sin, isn't there? Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And we refer to Proverbs 13, 15 also. The way of transgressors is hard. Now, when a child of God leaves God's place of blessing, it doesn't bode real well, real well for him at all. Uh, and we see the call, we not only see the cause of her defeat, but we see the completeness of her defeat. As we read Naomi's words, we can easily see that in her mind she was defeated. She was stripped of any hope. Look at verse 8 and 9. It says, And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. This is after they already started on the way. Okay, get that? They've already started on the way. She could just kind of say, Well, hold on, hold on a minute. Why don't you, you gals, y'all go back to your mother's house. He said, the Lord deal kindly with you. Now, was that going to happen? Was the Lord going to deal kindly with them? Uh, going back to their gods, going back to 
the, the life that they once knew, we weren't going to bode well for them. But we're hearing these words out of Naomi who is backslidden herself. <laughs> the Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The, the Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. Um, now from Naomi's perspective... Uh, she had nothing with which to take care of herself or her daughters-in-law. In other words, she had no hope for the present. No hope for the present. She had no income, nothing else to offer, yet she had overlooked her finest asset. She still had the Lord. She still had the Lord. She didn't realize it yet, but uh, she would come to find out soon enough that the Lord is always more than enough. And we need to know and believe that the Lord is always more than enough for us as well. So she had no hope for her present. She had no hope for her future either. Let's read on down verse 10. It says, And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. I mean, they're, they're, they're uh, wanting to go with her, both of them at this point. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes at that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now, she had no hope for her future. We see, again, from Naomi's perspective, she had no husband. Her sons were gone. She had no prospects of remarrying. She's, and she's beyond childbearing age anyway, so she's husbandless and childless. Not the way that you want to be. Uh, no, nobody support the family. She appears to believe that she has nothing to look forward to in her life but grief and pain over the price being paid for sin. And we see here how that Naomi appeared to, to, to be more concerned with material things than with the spiritual things. Uh, sin always warps our system of priorities and our concepts of right and wrong. Boy. When we're in sin, we don't think very clearly, very spiritually, when we're away from God like that. In fact, it causes our perspective to become more like the lost world as we view life from a fleshly perspective rather than from a spiritual perspective. So we see the cause and the completeness of her defeat. And then there in... Uh, uh, verse 8 and 9 and also in verse 15 we see the consequences of her defeat. Uh, uh, we, we note how Naomi actually encouraged Ruth and Orpha to return to their mother's houses which meant turning back uh, to their uh, uh, turning back to their pagan gods and wicked lifestyles. Look at verse number 15. Verse number 15, and she said, Behold, my sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. 
Return thou after thy sister-in-law. She's trying to convince Ruth to do the same thing that Orpah had already done. Turn and go back the other way. Um, she told them that they would be better off in Moab. You talk about a warped perspective. Is that true? It's not true at all, is it? Uh, I'm sure she thought they might not be accepted in Israel. And so she was encouraging them to find husbands of their own kind. In other words, Moabites. And so in her backslidden condition here, Naomi had lost her ability to be a powerful witness um, for the glory of God. And sadly, a backslidden believer can be a poor advertisement for the gospel. It just can be. Philippians 1 verse 27 says, Only let your conversation, your, your manner of living, your behavior, that's what that word means, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Does our behavior, how we act, does it, be, does it make the, the gospel of Christ more becoming? Or does it make folks laugh because we are living in sin? In Matthew 5 verse 13 through 16, I'm not going to turn there and read that. We know Jesus said that we're to be salt and light. We're to be the salt of the earth. And we're to be light. No child of God should ever be guilty of hindering others from coming to the Lord, should they? We ought, we ought not to hinder folks. We, we are to be trying to bring them in, not trying to turn them away. And here we see Naomi say, say y'all need to go back. Y'all need to go back to your mother's house. Y'all need to go back for the way that you used to know. So we notice one widow was in the place of defeat. We notice one widow was in the place of departure. Verse 14 and 15. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after my sister-in-law. Um, now, she didn't know that uh, if she went with Naomi to Israel, that it would have been uh, what was good for her as well. Orpah didn't know that. And that's because uh, Naomi had not been a very good witness to her at all. And so Orpah returned to her relatives. She returned to her religion. As she returned to her reality, none of which was going to help her. Whatever light she may have received up to this point, she walked away from. And we, we never hear any more about Orpah again. Her eternal destiny is not hard to figure. The, the Lord is the only hope for anyone. We know that. Now, lastly, I want us to notice one widow was in the place of decision. Decision. And we read verse 15 a couple of times, and that's uh, Naomi trying to talk Ruth out of going. And uh, look at verse number 16. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. And verse 17 where thou diest, will I die, and there will I, will I be buried. The Lord do so to
to me and more also if aught but death part thee and me. She's turning her back on that old lifestyle, wasn't she? Verse 18. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So whatever light that Ruth had received, she embraced. She embraced it. Ruth decided to follow. Even though Naomi seemingly had nothing to offer her, Ruth decided that she would follow Naomi. Evidently something, or we should say someone, had worked in her heart. Amen. The Lord, I think, was working in her heart. And she's proof positive that God can speak to the hearts of sinners regardless of what His people do. Now that doesn't let us off with the hook. But God can still work in people's hearts even when we are backslidden and not right with God. And uh, because we see it right here. How important was this decision for Ruth? It was the most important decision in all her life. It brought her out of the darkness and into the light. And because of this decision, we're going to see later that she'll eventually meet Boaz and she will bear Obed who had a son named Jesse who had a son named David. And so Ruth was David's great-grandmother. Well, blessing, amen. Her decision took her out from among a cursed people and placed her into the place of blessing and even into the earthly lineage of Jesus Christ according to Matthew 1.5 and Luke 3 and verse number 32. Now, needless to say, this decision was a life-changing decision on her part. Leaving it all behind, not, not, not even going to be buried there. I'm going to, I'm going to go and follow you, and uh, I'm leaving it all behind, is what she said. So Ruth decided to follow, and we see that Ruth decided by faith. Uh, she, she got a new family and a new Lord by faith. She left her past behind, including her gods, and she traded it all for a new life and a new Lord because, because she really she, she did exercise faith. Uh, and when, when she says, Thy people shall be my people, and thy God shall be my God, I mean, she, she is making a change here. And that, that reminds us of how everything changes at Calvary. Amen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus even said in Luke 4.18, he, he, he talked about himself when the, and what he came to do. The Spirit of the Lord, he said, is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, Ruth qualified, didn't she? She did. <laughs> because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, because he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Was she brokenhearted? She lost her husband. Yeah. Uh, to preach deliverance to the captives. Well, she was in captivity uh, to sin in Moab. So there's, there's three things there. And, and recovering a sight to the blind. She was blinded by sin. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Uh, you know, the, the Lord was doing a work in her heart. It was obvious. What, what Jesus did for us is laid out in Romans 6.6. 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. She was tired of serving sin. She wanted to move forward with her life. Amen. 
In Jesus we are made new and we are set free. Now, Ruth decided to follow. Ruth decided by faith. And then we see that Ruth decided this was a final decision. It was, she decided finally. Um, she made a total commitment. What we see there in verses 17 and 18, 16, 17, and 18, is a total commitment that extended all the way to death and burial. For her, there would be no looking back or turning back. She wasn't going to get to the land of Israel and say, well, I think I'm, yeah, I don't really like this. I think I'm going to run back home to Moab. That, that wasn't going to be it. After all, what was there left for her back in Moab anyway? Nothing but death, defeat, darkness, and eventually doom. Our faith in the Lord is about a total commitment, isn't it? It's a total commitment. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Uh, look at Luke 14, and we'll, we'll close with this. Luke 14. Luke 14, verse 26. If any man come to me, hate not his father and mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Look down to verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Well, Ruth forsook it all. Um, let me ask you in closing, is, is your all his? Are you all his? Uh, next week, Lord willing, we're going to see Naomi's return to Israel, her homecoming. Amen. And uh, trust that you'll join us next Sunday evening. Let's go ahead and pull back out our prayer list. We'll pray for the needs, and we'll be dismissed with this prayer. That's our Bible study for this evening.